0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Mystery Bible. My name is Ken Primus. We have been looking at the Exodus. Uh, the last uh, podcast we talked about the uh, Job uh, mentioned to you that this Job was the same Job, I believe that is mentioned in book number eighteen in the King James Version, but we know that this joke's story according even according to King James that they weren't sure where it was, but when we look at other um other documentation, it is placed within the time frame that um the sons of uh, Jacob had passed and that uh, this Job was there as one of the counselors to the Pharaoh of the time. And it was this Job, uh, that had, um, given the advice to the king of the sons, uh, slaughtering of the elder son. And we're going to take a look at that circumstances and, and when the king had called his servants and you'll see in, mentioned in the book, that it was Job's same location um, as well. So let's take a look at um, uh, chapter 2 of Genesis, uh, because we, not Genesis, I apologize, of Exodus, we are looking at that aspect of it right now. And I want to, um as I've been telling you guys, we're using the Bible first, and then we're going to branch off to the other sources, and we're going to pick up from there. And again, my purpose is simply to bring in additional information outside of the Bible along with the story in the Bible to show you what was happening around and some of the details that were left out as a result in the Bible. I know that Western Christianity live and die by the, quote-unquote, King James Version. But trust me, the King James Version is full of uh, interpretation uh, based on what they wanted to bring out, like the uh, the Trinity was not a part of um, the teachings in the early church. Uh, God was well, uh, Elohim uh, in the personhood of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father. It was introduced to for clarity, and so they had to come up with a way by which they can. Um, Explain it to people. That's how they failed. And as a result, you have lots of battles in religion concerning the Trinity and stuff like that, and missing the point who God is. So, in chapter 2 of Exodus, uh, let's summarize, basically. We know that Moses is born in that chapter. He's raised by Pharaoh's uh, daughter. And, uh, we know that, uh, he, uh, slays an Egyptian as mm-hmm. a result of, um, uh, seeing the injustice that was being executed against the children of Israel. You know, he, he flees the Midian and, uh, marries Zephora. And, uh, we know that it is around that time after he flees that, um, the cry of the children of Israel um, started to uh, reach the heavens, as they say. And we're going to explore all of those. You might be able to do it in one, but who knows? Let's see where it goes. Let me begin to read chapter 2. And there went a man of of the house of Levi, and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months, and when she could no longer hide him, she took him from the ark and rustled and debris it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flag by the river. And his sister stood afar off, which what would, would be done to him, we know that his sister is in reference. To Miriam. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her handmaid walked along by the riverside, and when she saw the ark amongst the flag, she sent her maid to fetch it. Let me stop here for a minute and uh, give you guys some information. The Bible says, and I don't believe that anything happens for just happenstance. Bible tells us in, in Jeremiah that God made plans, many plans for us all. And all of those plans that He has made, the outcome of those plans is to give us victory. And he has mentioned that many times, even in the New Testament, says for all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. All things meaning all the plans into your life. Just like Jeremiah said, I have made many plans. And so he had a plan for Moses. Think about it, that out of all the Hebrew boys on the planet at the time, that Pharaoh's daughter would see his and so and see him. Uh, so we know that God has a plan for all of you. I would want to encourage you to plug into God so so that He can reveal to you what those plans are. And those plans are based on decisions that we make. But the Bible tells us that we can go to Him and He will lead our path. He says many are the plans of, of the man, but the steps uh God orders his steps. So I would suggest that you seek God's advice in Helping you walk in within those plans that he has for your life, so we see then that Pharaoh, one of God's plans or Moses' life was that Pharaoh's uh, daughter would be there at that specific time, doing what she was doing, so that she can grab him and bring him into her house, so that she can then educate him. so that uh, God can utilize him later for his assignment that he has for him. God has an assignment for everyone. You and I are not just coming here to live, work nine to five, have some kids, get a white picket fence, and, um, you know, die, and then show up. And that, I mean, think about that for a minute. So God has plans for you. You need to go seek him to see what those are. And as you learn who oh, you are in Christ Jesus, you will learn about those plants and how you can serve mankind because that is the ultimate gift that you and I have on this planet. And when she had opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Remember I talked to you guys, all of you that have been following me. We have been talking and expounding on... uh, the grace of God, and God is the only one that can can give grace. He says He's the God of all grace, and so the grace is God's ability to work on the hearts of individuals. The Bible tells us that the king, uh, the heart of the king, is in the hand of God, and so we know that the heart of everyone. The Scripture says, every you, me, the politicians, everyone is in. The king, the heart of uh, the hand of God. And God then can move it to uh, fulfill his desire. He cannot violate our will, but through his grace, he can cause us to do things. And um, we then would make the reaction to it. And her reaction about seeing this child and hearing him cry was compassion. And if you Compassion, you will see that compassion always demands action. And so she had compassion on him and she said, Okay, so compassion always demands action. So when you see someone that is compassionate, you will always see the results of compassion. You cannot have compassion without any action. So then she said, uh, then said his sister, to Pharaoh's daughter, "Shall I go and call the uh, a nurse of the Hebrew women that he may nurse the child for you?" This is it still Miriam? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, "Go." And the maid went and called the child's mother. So Miriam, it is stating, uh, Pharaoh's sister was a Maid and a maid to Pharaoh's uh, daughter. So she now is going to go and bring his mother because she saw she's a part of this whole thing. And um, verse 9 and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give you uh, wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Isn't God wonderful? She is going to be paid. The mother now the family is going to be paid for taking care of their child. And so this is wonderful. I think is a great um, way by which God provides additional need for his family so that they can be provided for as well as cared for in a special way. Verse ten. And the child grew and she brought onto him Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So at some point there was a um, exchange that happened and she adopted him in other words. Um, She went through her own adoption agency back in the day and so she got him and he became, he became her son. And so now, once he is now becoming our son, he is going to be treated differently. He's going to be respected. He's coming to a different class. And so that's the same with you and I. When we are born again, we are the sons of God. We became his son. And, um, the Bible tells us, God said that, that to this, to Jesus that this day, you, and I have gotten you you are now my son. So, we are seeing this exchange taking place with you know, Moses and with Pharaoh's um, daughter. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked look on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew on his brethren. So we see that he's checking this out. So he's not comfortable, if you will, uh, where he is, his location with his uh, pharaoh's family and all the power and so forth. Because God never keeps you and I comfortable when he has work. For us, there's always some degree of restlessness that resides within us. And that restlessness is for you and I to keep looking, keep moving, keep seeking where we fit in. And so we see that um, this man, Moses, he's not there amongst all the powers. He's still spying out the Egyptians, and he's concerned bound his brothers and that's one of the signs of a servant. When you look at people, one who's concerned about others, and that is why I keep telling you guys: you see that this is the ultimate prize that God wants to give all of us—that um, that you and I become servants. So you see that um, he is spying on these uh, these guys, and when he went out the second day, behold, two men. Of the Hebrews, uh, together, and he said unto them, um, that did the wrong. Why smitest thou your fellow? And he said, who made you prince over and judge over us? And so, let me go back in verse 12. After verse 11, we see that he, after he saw this injustice happening, to his brothers, it tells us in verse twelve that he looked this way and that way, and he saw that there were no man, so he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So we see that he is a what we would consider a murderer. And I want to let you guys know that God will work with you, all you guys who think think you are, you know you're You're bad, and you come to the end, and you're this this monster God is okay with that he he likes monsters um he can work with them uh if you have a a heart that is willing to be humbled before him, yeah, he'll work with you so we know then that this man because this man moses god um uh he became Really, really close to God. In fact, the Bible tells us that God reprimanded his sister Maryam and he told him, he says, I speak to him face to face where I speak to other people, other prophets and dreams and so forth. So, here's a murderer that God was able to work with, but it's the degree of your heart. And so, on verses 14, his brothers, the Egyptian, um, the two guys are fighting and he said, Who made you prince and a judge over us? Intended thou to kill us as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. So we've talked about the spirit of fear, one of the entities that will always come into our lives to cause us to make decisions based on fear. And the world today is like that. The whole entire world. Because we know that when Adam fell, one of the first mentioned um, spirits that he became familiar with was fear. He said to God, I was afraid. And so you and I are still going to be dealing with that entity in our life. So now we see that he begins to, he becomes fearful, fear entered into his life. And he began to make a decision and got out of there. Um, So, basically running for his life. Now, when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the place of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. So, he's gone. He sits down by this well. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled the broth to water their father's flock. And the shepherd came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. So he now begins to protect us. He sees this injustice and he begins to um, stand up. Now, I want to stop here, right here. This is his character. Are you beginning to see the man? Character come up uh, where he's seeing some type of injustice. He's always standing up. Uh, we see it with his it with uh, the man, and then when the two brothers fighting, um, the two Hebrews fighting, we see him interjecting himself in there. We see here with these uh, ladies that he's also interjecting himself in it. So we're watching his character as to who he is as Moses, the uh, man on the run from the Egyptian. And so uh, we're looking at this, uh, I would say, the development of this man and see how God will work with those traits that you and I have. And it tells us that uh, And when they came, when the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them. And watered the flock. So he did all the work for them. And when they came to Aru, the father, he said, How is it that you have come back so to soon uh, today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the land of the, of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. Now, when they said and an Egyptian that man, meant that he must have still been in, in his Egyptian clothes. Stuff that Egyptian wears, and so when they saw that they are familiar with that type of uh, you know dressing, so he had the finest of the finest stuff, and they recognized that that's Egyptian, and they said, This Egyptian helped us, and he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread and Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses. Zephorah, his daughter and she bare him a son and he called his name Korshorm and he said I have been a stranger in a strange land now I want to walk you guys through now we're in verse 23 of chapter 2 and it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel Sigh by reason of the bondage. And then they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Verse 24. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Now, verse 23 to 25 is some powerful stuff. So, we I, the last episode that I talked about in the podcast was in relation to showing you guys that the Word of God, that God never lies. And that He is on top of what He said that He wants. To be done. And we looked at several other scriptures that deals with this specificness of the fact that God's Word is true. And, um, I've done that many times in studies about God's Word because all of our life and our belief is based on the Word of God. We have to, as believers, we have to trust this God's Word, you know, these words, because if we're putting our face on, faith into those words we ought to then be able to trust that those words will come true. And so Luke chapter one verses thirty seven says, No word from God will ever fail. So let's take a look at what's going on here based on what God had said. You know that Joshua said and Joshua said, uh, none of God's word had failed that he had promised us. So, let's take a peek in Genesis chapter 15, I think it is, when God came to Abram. Uh, this is Abram. This is to before he became Abraham. So God comes to this man, Abram, and um, he says to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for a hundred years. But I will also judge the nation when they will serve, and afterwards they will come out with many possessions, so he's already prophesied four hundred years before.
1: Then in the fourth generation,
0: they will return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So God it works on a timeline, and uh, uh, you and I need to be aware of this, and everything that he does. Is based on a timeline. Because we just read where it says that he, and it came to pass in process of time. Some translations will say the fullness of time. God works on a timeline, guys. So he had promised Abraham a couple of things. And that he was going to deliver his children, his, his descendants. This was four years ago, so it took four years, and now God's word, as I mentioned to you guys earlier, God's word will never fail. And so, it took 400 years. But there was a reason why he had to go through 400 years. What was the reason that the children of Israel was trying to uh, put all of this intense pressure on the children of Israel. What was the main reason? It's very clear. They have said it. The main reason so that they would not reproduce, trying their best to keep them from not reproducing because they were fearful of them. And why why were they? Because God said to Abraham and to Isaac that um, he is going to make them Prosperous, but he's going to make him like this, uh, seeds in the seas uh, in the sand on the seashore and so forth. Genesis 22 17. That in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. So we know that he promised that there will be plenty of them and that they will be possessing the gates of the enemy. When they say gates, it's usually the control of that particular city, place, and so forth. When you control the gates, you're in charge, basically. Genesis twenty-two 17. Ah, I'll read it in another. Um, it says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the skies and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And that's why I was saying to you, when you talk about gates, it means that you're totally in control of it all. So this promise um, went through. It tells us that it was, you know, I wanted to take you, that was Genesis. And I wanted to take you to Jacob as well. I know I didn't get a chance to take you to, um, who was the other one, Isaac. But I wanted to bring you from uh Genesis, from Abraham to uh Jacob, and show you in Jacob. Because it's there in, in the Bible, I just didn't bring it out to, to show you that in Israel. But let's take a look at Genesis chapter 32, verses 12. And it says, and then Jacob prayed, God of my father Abraham, God of my, uh, of my father Isaac, God who told me, go back to your parents' homeland and I will treat you well. I don't deserve all the love and loyalty you have shown me. When I left here and crossed the Jordan, I only had the clothes on my back and not look at me. Now look at me. Now, two camps. Save me, please, from the violence of my brother. You know about Jacob and Esau. Um, So, my angry brother, I'm afraid he'll come and attack us. Me, the mother of my children, you yourself said, I will treat you well and I'll make your descendants like the sands of the sea. Far too many count. So it took four hundred years from when God uh, was dealing with this one man, Abraham and um, or abram this is before he had his son took four hundred years for them to build up a descendant like the sand of the sea, far too many to count so God's timeline. Is different from us, but his purpose is to fulfill his word. And so after four years, 400 years, he told Abraham, he said, this is how long it's going to take. But I just want to encourage you that, um, after that, I'm, I'm going to take care of business. I'm going to make sure that they are able to gain Uh, you know, success, I'm going to take care of them. God said to Abram, this Abram, this is before Abraham, so this is, his son is not born yet. Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. So 400 years it took the children of Israel to multiply and become of the sea. And the Bible tells us when it was time, when it was on God's timetable. So you and I have to be careful about all these madness you see people are doing. Let me tell you, I'm not moved by any of this stuff that is happening around the world. It's being, you see all this um, shift towards Oligarchy and and one you know these guys shifting into power, consolidating power. Chi uh, and and Putin and, and you see Trump on the stage and you see all these other clowns that are there. None of them, none of them, are working outside of God's sphere. Not a single one. Do you understand me? They are being molded and moved in order to accomplish. For a stage set, the Antichrist to come because it tells us that when he shows up that he is ruler over much of this real estate that is on the earth. So these guys, don't, I don't care what happens, I belong to the kingdom of God and the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is not shaken. Now, I'm watching the world outside of the kingdom of God and it is all messed up and going all kinds of crazy. But it's supposed to because the Bible tells us that they're moving on God's timetable. And in the fullness of time, the Bible says God is going to begin to do a couple of things that will show up on this planet. And uh, one of those is that the Antichrist is coming. One of those is as it was in the days of Noah. And the Bible tells us about uh, global warming. The Bible talks about it, so I don't know how these ignorant people that are calling themselves Christians don't understand it because Jesus said, in the last days, this is what's going to be happening with nature. Now, if he's saying it, right, we call it global warming, but he was calling it something else. He said, you're going to have diver um, uh, events, uh, you know, he's talking about those uh, events as far as natural disasters and all of these things. So he was calling it what he saw it. We are calling it um, global warming. But Jesus talked about it. And so it's going to happen. And so we know that this is all a part of God's plan. Not a single one of these men and women. The Bible tells us that. And I've done a study on this uh, to show people that every leader is put in place to accomplish God's will. Period. And we know that in Pharaoh's life, God told Moses before he even sent him, he said, I am going to try this man until when he, his son dies. Then he's going to release you when his firstborn dies. And then that's before he went in to start all this stuff. And we're going to see that. And so what happened, what God had to do to favor Pharaoh to make that happen? He had to harden his heart to have Pharaoh fulfill what God had told Abraham. I'm going to deliver you after his son, all the sons, the firstborn, are judged and die. Then I'll bring you out. And so, um in order for God to do that, he hardened his heart to make it happen. And what I'm saying to you guys is simply this. It doesn't matter, I don't care who you are. No word from God will ever fail. Because he always tell the truth. And so it took four hundred years for the children of Israel to get to a place whereby their seed is as many as this the sea. And so I wanted to take that time to walk with you and see so you'll understand because all the people don't understand what was going on and um you know why did God wait it all this time and so forth. Because he said in his timeline. The children of Israel had to multiply. So it didn't matter whatever Egypt did, it didn't matter what crazy plan they came up with, they cannot not stop the children of Israel from multiplying. There is no way. There is no way man can stop the plan of God. Uh, We can come to him through prayer, and uh, um, we know that uh, the plan of God concerning um, Sodom and Gomorrah, was to destroy it, you know. But he comes to um, to Abraham and he said, I mean, could we destroy this place without telling him? And so they went and they told him, so now this man is going to pray for them because he's now praying for them not to be destroyed. And so he starts with X amount of people and it ends so up with, you know, just a few. And God said, "Okay, man." But he was he was trying his best, and God was still working it. And God said, "Okay." And then he said, "Every time God said okay, he he brought the number down." God said, "Okay," and he brought the number down. God said, "Okay," <laughs> you know. And so it was. Abraham's negotiation based on his negotiation with God. God was relaying back to him, okay, 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 okay. And then eventually when he came to his his number, and God said, okay, guess what? They didn't have that many, and God destroyed it anyway. So I want to uh, make that clear to you guys. So we see here that in Exodus, a couple of things I wanted to bring to you is that process of time, in the fullness of time, God works. The other is that uh, everything that happens here, uh, a, the Egyptian died and the children of Israel began to cry. That leader that punished them passed and um, they are now crying to God. Now, what does the Bible teach us about the people of God crying and what happens to God when he is hearing our cry? It's very important. We need to know this. Many of us are not going to cry on God until it gets really bad. And it tells us in verse 23, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. Now, did not we read in Genesis that God said he was going to deliver his children out of slavery and out of oppression, basically out of bondage. And so, he promised that he would deliver them. And uh, so, it reads that he said that he would deliver them out of bondage, and they, but they were crying. They started crying to God now, and their cry came up unto God by reason of bondage. And verse twenty-four, the beginning, and God heard their mourning, and God remembered. His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Now, a couple of things. God heard, God remembered. So, God listened, the Bible said He's always listening to us. Samuel chapter 22, verse 7. In my distress I call unto the Lord, to my God I call. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry came to his ears. So we know that when we were in that state, that emotional state, uh, we got no other person to look at. We, I can't do it within myself. I got nothing left. In my distress Psalms eighteen. I call unto the Lord, to my God. I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. So, you and I sometimes, that's the only time we will call on God is when we got no hope. We will cry to him, but the Bible tells us that he hears. Oh God, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth. Psalms 54, verses 2. So God listened. He remembered. And the Bible tells us that when God is alerted, and I did a study a few days ago about this arise of God. When we look at that scripture and we see that God is going to arise, we know some business is about to be taken care of. We know that God is going to bring him judgment and that he is going to begin to require um, some stuff from other people. And so the Bible tells us that he hears the cry of and he listens. And I believe in my heart of heart, man, that uh, we're looking at the poor and the needy crying unto God and in the fullness of time, which I believe is here, we are seeing the results of the judgment on the nation of, of America because of the cry of the poor. God said, Here, when they I listen to their cry, and uh, we know that these men are a whole slew of politicians are just focusing on themselves and the rich. And they are forgiving uh, loans for themselves and the rich, and they are not even considering the people. And God does not like that at all, man. Just read the Bible, and you will see. I mean, if you guys, we live in a world where now you don't even need to read it. Just put it on on the, on, on on tape. Put it on on TV that you're watching all day long. And, There's a a way by which you can listen to the Word of God. You can listen to the Word of God on car, listen to the Word on your phone. I mean, you have no excuse. None of you have any excuse of not listening to the Word of God and following the Word of God. Just listen to the Word of God, and you'll see He tells you. Be very careful how you treat the poor people because they are crying to Him, and when it reaches His ear, business begins to change. And so we are watching that in the United States of America, and there is no escaping at all. The Bible says the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. This God, his throne is all about justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. He is just, and he is Upright, this God means business when we disobey his word. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. Look at these men, these women that are claiming to be Christians. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong. Than the Almighty Be very mindful, guy. God works on a timeline and He always provide, uh, finishes work. He always answers what He said and He doesn't make any joke. He's serious. He's a loving God, but sometimes He can be very stern um, to protect you and I from harm. So I want to thank you guys for uh, following me on. All of these different podcasts. I know we are all over within the podcast and those that are following me with um, on the YouTube and different uh, social media platforms. I truly, honestly, want to thank you, and those that are supporting us financially. Uh, I want to thank you. I, 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 you know, I thank you for stopping to uh, uh, support us financially. I know many of you is uh, just five dollars and. And ten dollars there, and I really appreciate all of it because I know where it's coming from, and your heart, um, and your kindness, and your your um, ability to share in all of your abundance, and even those that are not in abundance. I know your sacrifice, and so I, I deeply appreciate it. And I do pray for you and your family that God will. uh, uh Show you ways by which you can um, gain more insight number one as to who you are, number two that he would gain show you insight by which you can expand your businesses, those that are all entrepreneurs and so forth, or maybe a job that you're asking for, that he would expand your with your your knowledge and wisdom so that you can gain. Entrance. The Bible helps by the Holy Spirit, guys, anointing you for wisdom and so forth. So ask Him, and He will do the same for you and change your direction for you and your family. Again, I just want to thank you so much for coming and following us here. And Mr. Bible, God bless. Thank you for listening to Mystery Bible. Let's walk through the Bible and learn of God and His beautiful mercies and all that He has provided for us that we may become effective for His kingdom and change this world. Check in every week for a new episode.